words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are crucified, risen, reigning, coming again, redeemed. We look to you. Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Last Sunday we were back at Mount Sinai, and I tell you, we're going to stay here for a while. Israel was there for quite a while, uh, a couple of months at least. And God was unfolding and revealing and building up all kinds of wonderful good things there. So we're still receiving ourselves, amen? Last Sunday we saw how um, they came to the foot of the mountain and before God has food and fellowship with uh, the leaders, 70 leaders, elders up on the mountain with Moses and Aaron and his two oldest sons, before that happens, they sacrifice a bunch of oxen, they poured half of their blood, they splashed it on the altar that Moses put up. The other half, they actually sprinkled on the people, and we saw how um, Moses declared, this is the blood of the covenant that makes us children of God. And an amazing connection, so you go forward in the New Testament to the Lord's Supper, and Jesus in the Lord's Supper says to the disciples, this cup is the new blood of the covenant, new covenant. Use the exact same terminology. So Jesus in the Last Supper connected the disciples and believers clear back to Mount Sinai and then brings it forward. Well, we're going to find more connections to Mount Sinai. It's fantastic. And just so, sometimes you need some encouragement to try the right track, right? Amen? And so God does this so often on Sunday mornings, but we don't follow any prescribed schedule for the readings on Sunday mornings, the Word of the Lord and the beginning service. Uh, we just run through the four Gospels. And right now we're in Luke, and this is the passage we have to be on for today. And I just try to, to choose what to preach on. I try to listen carefully to the Lord, and we've been in Exodus for a while. So today we have to be up on the mountain with Moses in the cloud of God's presence. And what was our passage this morning? Jesus and the disciples up on a mountain, cloud of God's presence. I'm like, seriously? Uh, God puts that kind of stuff together, and it's just mind-blowing and encouraging that, uh, that we are listening to him and on track with him. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. So Exodus chapter 24, let's pick it up at verse 9, which is from last Sunday too, but it's going to get us back in the flow of, of the progression of the story here, okay? So Exodus chapter 24, verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron and his two eldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone. It's a beautiful blue stone, like the very heaven for clearness. So when you go ahead in Scripture, especially in Revelation, wherever it describes describe the throne, throne of God, it's the same exact kind of descriptions. It always it talks about clear, and you can see through it, and then the beauty of it. So, so apparently God brought the floor of this heavenly throne room down there for this visit. Amazing stuff. Verse 11. God did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. We were expecting that. We thought we were all going to go up and die, right, because of this holy God. But God didn't lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, and they ate, and they drank. They had uh, meal fellowship with Almighty God. Verse 12, new stuff. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, 
that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, the Ten Commandments, which I have, say with me, God says, which I have written for their instruction. This is wild stuff, right? We're going to get more of the, the stone tablets and commandments later. Here's the first mention of them. God says, I'm, I am going to write the commandments on these tablets so you can use them to instruct the people. I love this. God, I know God so often feels to us distant, far away, can't see him, can't touch him in the normal sense. I love when God physically reaches into our lives and, and shows his presence in that way. Uh, communion for us is one of those ways. Baptisms is one of those ways. The water splashing. Communion, the bread and the wine. Here we have God writing himself the commandments on tablets of stone and giving them to Moses. They carried them in the ark, well, the second set. They carried in the ark with them for, for a long, long time. Um, so physical kind of connecting point with God is pretty amazing. So God says, Moses, come up here in the mountain, wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and command which I have written for their instruction, verse 13. So Moses rose with his assistant, Joshua. That's the first we hear of Joshua in this situation. Um, he was probably along with the whole time, but you know, we don't know for sure. But now Joshua's coming along for the ride. So just Moses and Joshua go up into the mountain of God, verse 14. He said, Moses said to the elders before they went out, wait here, say that with me, wait here for us until we return to you. Pretty simple instruction. I don't know, I don't think Moses had any idea what a huge leap of faith he was asking these men to do. Uh, they, they pretty much fail at it. They didn't know he was going to be up there for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't think Moses maybe did either. So he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Moses says, Aaron and her, probably his brother-in-law, are here with you. Remember, they were the ones that held up his arms during the battle with the Ammonites. Behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. So Moses deputizes Aaron and her to be in charge until he comes back down off the mountain. So maybe he had a sense that it was going to be a while. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Now, what is it? The cloud. I mean, you watch every. Have you ever seen two clouds identical to each other? They're all they're all different. This is the cloud. Which would the cloud is he referring to? The cloud they've been used to seeing leading them in the daytime. Cloud of, uh, pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. It says, this cloud covered the mountain. Verse 10, 16. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. So it wasn't a passing cloud. It didn't dissipate. The cloud of God's glory presence came down and dwelled and, and remained and stayed on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it. Say it with me, how long? Six days. We don't have tons of detail here. This is really interesting. Moses wrote this. You're like, Moses, come on. A little, a little expounding here, please. All we know is that he went up, Joshua with him. Cloud covers the mountain. Six days. Apparently they're sitting there. Six days in the presence of God. 
On the seventh day, God called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. So it sounds like it was a cloud this whole six days. And God called to Moses and said, come up into my near presence, closer presence. And in that moment, down below, the people of Israel look up and say, well, what's the status up on the mountain today with Moses in the cloud? Whoa! Fire. And I don't know if they can see or not. I don't know about the height and distance and stuff. <clears throat> but Moses goes up into the fire. Eighteen. <clears throat> Moses entered the cloud. People below, to them it looks like the fire. And he went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain. Say it with me. Forty days and forty nights. The next seven chapters are full of details. God to Moses about the worship, setting up worship and stuff for Israel. It's really, really interesting how Moses recorded this for us. So he goes up and God says, come up closer. He's out there for 40 days and 40 nights. So Moses writes down, here's some of the stuff God told me while I was in his presence. And then, back, and then in chapter 32, he says, and then this happened when he came down from the mountain, right? Seven chapters were of, of detailed instruction from God. 40 days and 40 nights. Later on, look back at what's happening down below during the 40 days and 40 nights. It's not going good. But right now, we're up on the mountain with Moses in the presence of God. Like I share with the kids, he survives. It's an amazing thing. Any, any New Testament connections or parallels that can help us with this? Go to Luke chapter 8. Wayne read for us a little bit ago. We're going to go deeper with this. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went, say it with me, up on the mountain to pray. Now there's a, one of the things you need to do is notice, okay, there's a lot of similarities here. What's the differences? In the Old Testament, Moses took Joshua up with him. Joshua did not go up into the cloud. He didn't go up into the fire with Moses, but he was up there in a higher place. What's different here? Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. Now we have three disciples go all the way up with Jesus. They're going to see this whole thing take place. So there are differences. What do we see in the New Testament? We see uh, coming up into his presence. We see coming closer to the holiness of God. Because, why? Because of what Jesus is accomplishing for us. Jesus is accomplishing our holiness for us. He's bringing us closer to the presence of God. So Peter, James, and John joined Jesus, go up on the mountain to pray. Verse 29. As he was praying, so what normally happens when Jesus brings disciples with him and they go up on a mountain and Jesus starts praying? They normally fall asleep, right? <laughs> Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he dies, they had a tremendous sleep problem. Same thing apparently here, verse 29. So as Jesus was praying, it doesn't say it literally here, but you'll find out in a minute, the disciples pretty much falling asleep. 
but the appearance of his face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. And this is when the disciples begin to kind of like come out of their sleep. Go, something's happening here. Jesus' face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. Behold, two men were talking with him. Say with me, who are they? Moses and Elijah. Now we're going. Whoa, hold the phone. Why? What is happening here? Why in the world does Jesus need to hang out and visit with Moses and Elijah right now? I do not know. I do not know. I can throw a bunch of speculations at you from different people. Not worth it. I don't know. This is a fantastic, wonderful, mind-blowing situation, and I don't know why. But Moses and Elijah are visiting with Jesus, verse 31, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. Now, the word departure there, you probably have a little number or something in note in your Bibles that says, you know, go down to the bottom of the page and see what the note means. Literally, the word is, are we surprised? Exodus. So Moses and Elijah show up on this mountaintop with Jesus, and they're visiting with him, they're talking with him about Jesus' upcoming exodus from Jerusalem. Departure is okay, but exodus meaning when you die on the cross, there's going to be something on the other side of that. You're going to have a departure in exodus. You're going to come back up to meet the Father in the heavens. Why does Jesus need Moses and Elijah to have a conversation about this? I do not know. <laughs> but it's amazing, right? Which he was about to accomplish this exodus departure in Jerusalem, verse 32. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but they're starting to wake up now, say hallelujah. Yeah. You would, right? There's this bright, this bright shining light. Do you wake up when there's you wake when there's bright shining lights come into the room when you're sleeping? Lightning and stuff? Yeah, it wakes you up. So they wake up and they see that the light begins to kind of come out of their heavy sleep. Then they begin to recognize, I don't know how they recognize Moses and Elijah. It must have been Holy Spirit inspired. But they know who he's visiting with. And when they, when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and two men stood with him. So they're starting to take stock of the situation to figure out what's really happening here. While we were sleeping, Moses and Elijah showed up to visit with Jesus. How cool is that? Now verse 33, this is really key. Luke says, and as the men were parting from him, so what's happening? As they come fully awake, what's, what's, what's going to happen now? Moses and Elijah are starting to leave. They're done with the conversation. And so as the men were parting from him, Moses and Elijah are starting to leave. Peter says to Jesus, probably in a rush, Master, it's really good that we are here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What, what's he hoping to do? I mean, the guys are obviously leaving. They're departing. What's he want to do? Hey, guys, don't leave now. We just figured out who you are and what's going on here. We'll, we'll make tents. We'll hang out. We'll have a conference this weekend. You can share. You can do. We'll, you'll do Q&A, right? We've got questions. Now, it's kind of hilarious here because it says, he says in verse 33, Master, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And it says, not knowing what he said. Isn't that a really interesting comment? Well, Luke, we know Luke who wrote this gospel. He says, 
I, I went and investigated. I talked to people. I interviewed people. And I wrote down this chronological account for Theophilus so he could get a clue about who Jesus is. So Luke must have been visiting with Peter about this event. And Peter's telling him, and then this happened. And then we realized what was going on, and Moses and Elijah were, were leaving. So I was like, you don't want him to leave. Jesus, we'll make three tents for you guys. You can hang out. And Peter then says to Luke, I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what's going on. That was just my reaction in the moment. Isn't this wonderful? This is eyewitness reporting right here. The kind of reporting we can use nowadays from our journalists. Amen? Truth. Eyewitness reporting. Not knowing what he said. Not realizing what was all going on. Verse 34. As Peter was saying these things, say with me, a what came? A cloud came and overshadowed them. Now, who got to go up into the cloud in Exodus 24? Just Moses. Who's in the cloud now? We got Jesus and Peter and James and John. As he was saying these things, a cloud came, overshadowed them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. Wouldn't you be? I don't know. You wonder if they're going Mount Sinai. I don't know if they were making that connection. They just come out of heavy sleep. Probably not. But they know enough to be afraid. Verse 35. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one, or my beloved. Say it with me. Listen to him. What did Peter accidentally take a shot at? Putting up three tents, maybe all three of them would stay, maybe Moses and Elijah would come back, and maybe they could have a QA with Moses and Elijah, because wouldn't you want to? Don't you want to when we get to heaven? I do. What does God the Father say? Gentlemen, Moses and Elijah are definitely cool. And they definitely have wonderful things to share. And gentlemen, this is the deal. This Jesus is my son, my chosen one, my beloved, my one and only. Listen to him. You don't need to visit with Moses and Elijah. For some reason, Jesus did. But you have my son. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. So one of our worship songs, we sang, Jesus, he's all I need. And this is what God is showing Peter, James, and John, and you and I this morning. Jesus is all we need. Now, why only listen to Jesus? I'm going to close with Colossians 1. Uh, I tell you what, I've been able to make lots of uh, visits here lately in the homes and of Delites and stuff, and, and this passage has just been, keeps coming back as a word from the Lord for people, and then it connected with the message today. Why, why Jesus alone? Colossians chapter 1. We're just going to focus on and rejoice and celebrate who Jesus is for a little bit to close and rejoice in, uh, we, have, we know the one to listen to and focus on. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. 
first word is he. If, if you go back to the previous verses, you know, we're talking about Jesus the Christ. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now the word image there, it's a little bigger word, but I think it's probably more helpful. He is the manifestation. You want to know what God Almighty is like? Jesus was him in the flesh. He manifested, he showed forth God. Jesus is the image, the manifestation of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He's the first thing that happened in creation, it says Father, Son. But this word more so means firstborn. Firstborn gets everything, it seems like. Especially back in these days. Um, they got the lion's share, the inheritance, and all that kind of stuff. They were in charge, firstborn. Firstborn means supreme. Everything comes to him. He's the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, for by him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created. Say with me, where? In heaven and on earth. All things were created through Christ. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Because that's kind of weird, isn't it? Well, the people in Colossae that Paul's writing this letter to, there were some false teachers messing with them, and they were dabbling a lot in teachings about angels. They were big, big, big on angels. And they also said that Jesus really wasn't so much flesh and bone son of God, human being. Jesus was one of the angels. And so Paul is writing in as he's going, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Back up. He says, wait a minute. Jesus Christ created everything in heaven and on earth. And then he said, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, and he created the angels to people. He's not one of the angels. He created them. So please don't make more of the angels than we should. And don't make less of Jesus than we should by saying he's just an angel. Not true. What did God say to Peter, James, and John on the mountain there? He said, this is my son, my chosen, my beloved one. Listen to him. So Paul says, hey, Jesus created everything in heaven and on earth and the angels too. So then he says, all things were created through him and for him. If you ever kind of wonder, what am I doing here anyway? What's my purpose? Here's a foundational purpose. You are made for Christ. His greatest desire is to know you, to love you, have you know him and love him back. You were made for him. Doesn't it help to kind of know what your purpose in life is? Who owns you? Who made you? What's it all about? I'm, I'm for Jesus. Jesus is before all things. Meaning he's over and authority over all things. And in him, I've got to say this with me. I, you know what, folks? I really feel like we need to put this little slip of a verse on our refrigerators right now. Because the chaos seems to just be increasing around us. The, the wickedness, the stupidity, the things that are coming out of people's mouths nowadays, it's just like unbelievable. Here it is. All things are created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things. And say with me, in him all things hold together. I'll, I'll admit to you, in the last uh, few weeks, this verse has been coming to me, without my pursuing it, prompting it, this verse has been coming to me almost daily. 
when I when I start reading the news, start listening on the radio, whatever, the first thing that comes to me is in Christ all things hold together. Grab onto that, hang on to that. That is a word for today. Amen. Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one that ever rose from the grave with his resurrection eternal body. First one. So he's firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. So the most important thing for us is, is going on to eternity and resurrection body. Jesus gets to be the first one. So he, he's first in everything that's important. Everything that matters. Verse 19. For in Jesus... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It didn't just visit, it dwelled. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Say this with me now. Making peace by the blood of his cross. See, there were false teachers in Colossae, and they were telling the people Jesus didn't really have a body. He was an angel. He didn't really die on the cross and shed his blood. That's icky stuff. You know what? I don't completely understand why, but Jesus and his blood and his flesh body dying on the cross is needful for our salvation. And you can't go, ew, icky, and back up and say it didn't happen. And you can't spiritualize it and say he was an angel and I just thought it was happening. You can't do that. God is clear. An actual, physical, human, perfect sacrifice needed to happen for our sin to die in his body and for the sins to be washed away. After all this glorious, wonderful things that Paul writes about Jesus, in him all things hold together, and he says, you know what? He made peace for us with the Holy God by the blood he shed from his physical body on the cross. This is my son. Listen to him alone. Now, we don't have Moses and Elijah standing here. I haven't checked behind me recently, but I figured Bob would have told me. We've got the internet, though. We've got TV screens. Folks, I'm, I'm concerned now and then. Um, I hear different Dalites telling me about you know, who they're listening to, who they're following, and there's lots of names I've never heard of before and stuff. I just want to continue to urge uh, discerning, caution, be careful. A lot of the folks, the uh, prophetic voices in America, a lot of them are false, messed up. Um, there's all kinds of video loggers, bloggers, and bloggers, and prophets, and preachers, and they're at fingertip, one click, and I'm watching and listening. And, you know, Moses fasted on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and all he had was God. And I felt like the other message, like God wanted to encourage me to encourage you to say, you know what? If you spend a lot of time listening to all kinds of voices on the internet and everywhere else, I felt like God wanted me to encourage you take a week off and only listen to Jesus. Only meet with him in his word. Only listen to him and let there be a cleansing of your, your brain and your ears and your spiritual palate. Let there be a 
Jesus is all I need. I'm going to be fixed on him. Are you spending hours a day listening to all kinds of Christian voices and hardly any time with Jesus? That's something i got to be careful with. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah just dropped in for a visit. And then God said, come back up here. Peter, James, and John, listen to Jesus. He's my son. Listen to him. Him alone. He is our help and our stay. And in him, all things hold together. Say hallelujah with me. All God's people said hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand up together. We're going to sing how great.